You're listening to Cross the Line 1524, the common man's podcast. But I came here for just one drink. Recorded live at an undisclosed location known as the Rusted Nail Speakeasy, it's Cross the Line 1524 with Jeff Montag, Reuben Hunt, Dwayne Bischoff, and myself, Alan Stanger. And don't forget, Table 12, Setback. Relax and enjoy. All right, we're here with Cross the Line 1524. I'm Alan Stanger with Dwayne Bischoff. And we're the 15 side. And Jeff Montag. Ruben Hunt and Mike Gardner. And we're the 24 side. <laughs> How's everybody doing? <laughs> Doing good. So we're at the Rusted Nail Speakeasy, a little speakeasy outside of Brookville, Indiana, where we ceremoniously record in secret. In secret. In secret. It's a big secret. It's a big secret. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I actually had uh, somebody in the community ask uh, when we're open. (laughs) Well, that's I not, haven't responded back. Need to that's not that the, one out, though. Yeah, that's not the yeah. first time. Though. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's but a, this is somebody fairly prominent, so I got to figure the answer out for that one. <laughs> so, how's everybody doing? Good, good, good. good. Seems yeah, like it seems like it's been a while since we've been here. It, it, has. Has. it has. Yeah, so we've done some stuff on the road. Yeah. Um, actually, Mike and I went uh, did a recording down in Metamore, which we're releasing. Uh, the weekend prior to what, when you hear this weekend, uh, it was the second uh, gathering at the Columbia Street Music District, which was a good time. We had um, Scotty Bourbon there with us and had a bunch of great guests. So great. you guys will want to yeah. listen to that one. And you guys were, well, Ruben, you were on vacation. Yeah, I was on vacation. He was on Oak Island. Oak North, Island, North, <laughs> North Carolina. <laughs> you should have just left that out. Well, you know, and I had somebody question me about that today. And uh, I said, no, it's North Carolina. But it's a family family trip and uh, had a good time. Very nice. Nice weather, nice drive. You really want a nice uh, neutral place for the family and a clean place. Neutral. Oak Island, uh, North Carolina is very nice. Very nice. Never heard of that until you went there. So. Well, I, I didn't either until we actually booked a place there. But uh, we went down to a place called Southport, which is, I don't know, 30 minutes maybe, Margie? 30 minutes uh, north of there, and that's where they filmed Safe Haven. And they were currently filming another movie there, and I talked to a local there, and they actually have like five more in the pocket to film there. Wow. But a lot of the a lot of the movie place uh, industry has moved out of Georgia and moved up into the Carolinas for filming. So the Carolinas must be offering because ta- it's tax credit. It's they all are, taxes. Yes. It's all tax money. Yeah. So yes, uh, we know why they moved out of Georgia. So some good restaurants, nice places, and a very nice place to visit if you want to. Very yeah. nice. So Dwayne and Jeff were gone last weekend. You were doing beekeeping. Beekeeping, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, a uh, queen breeding event uh, where they. Actually- you know, I grew up with dreams of breeding queens. <laughs> <laughs> we did it all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. But it was all art. We arti- just lost Ruben. <laughs> it was artificial insemination. I just about spit that all over the counter, man. <laughs> I was not ready for that. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. So we were collecting semen and inseminating queens. How about that? To make you feel manly. I'll tell you what. You I just watched. Hey, you go out there and fight you go out there and fight some bees for that. Yeah. A little bit. I don't know. Who holds her legs open? I just gotta think I just gotta think 
Those bees got high, small wings. <laughs> All right, so we're getting ready. Uh, we've got a special guest. You know, speaking of Oak Island a little bit, yep. uh, we have a special guest calling in in just a moment. But speaking of the podcast we did with Laird Nimmin, um, so that's still uh, going around. And he was actually on um, a friend of ours podcast, uh, Digging Oak Island. He was on that podcast this week. He told even more information uh, about his uh, work on Oak Island and the fact. If, have you guys heard it yet? No, no. So if it wasn't for Larry, there wouldn't have been a season last year. Oh, no kidding. Frank, archaeologist, had to fight to get the show on. And so here's what happened. Wow. The show really ticked the uh, indigenous people's nation off, the way they were treated. They felt disrespected. Wow. Uh, and they have. They do have final say over things. So, um, and now we're coming back to another season. Yeah, they're on the island. Sweet, now. Right? They're, yeah. No, yeah. They've been on the island for about a month now. Yeah. So, uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, so, I, I recommend listening to that podcast. Is digging Oak Island, um, and that podcast is very. He's not a hundred percent. You know, he doesn't go with all the theories. He he's mm-hmm. pretty common sense. So. Yeah. A lot of things that we we at one time believe and we don't now. He was always a little, um, I guess, cautious about. Uh, he still believes something happened there, you know. But we'll see. So remember, he's been at Oak Island for a long time. Well, yeah, 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 long time. Yeah. So, so what Lair did say is that Stone Road in the swamp. Yeah, that's not from indigenous people. It's not. No, that's one hundred percent European, okay. without a doubt. He said, without a doubt, there's no question whatsoever wow so we're getting ready to interview a gentleman that was at oak island uh but then was also on a show called beyond oak island um we interviewed him last year did a couple episodes with him his name is christian roper so christian's been busy uh and as soon as he calls in here we'll get to talk to him a little bit more i'm surprised he had an hour off to talk to us well he actually (laughs) messaged me today and goes hey i want to make sure are we on Texas time? Are we on Indiana time? <laughs> so we got that right. He said he was good either way. So. You know, for a young man like he is, he's involved in a lot of a lot of cool stuff. And oh, man. Wish I'd have done it at his I'm age. I'm jealous. Well, what you don't know and what he's going to tell you is tomorrow morning he gets on a plane for Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, man. Uh, so oh, man. we're going to prod him a little bit. He's been in uh, in our area doing some stuff. It's, it's going to be an interesting, cool. interesting call. Cool. We've yeah. got our – friend christian roper on the line christian tell us what you've been up to the last year oh quite a bit uh stuff all over the place i just got done um releasing a low budget feature that i shot in kentucky um involving werewolf lore dogman lore and this very tiny appalachian community one of the coolest experiences of my life. I just got back from Central America documenting stories of the Maya people. Oh, wow. Um, and I, tomorrow morning, leave for the infamous Skinwalker Ranch. Uh-huh. Um, actually, camping for a week at a ranch bordering Skinwalker, and we will be shooting a documentary there on a project focused on kind of I'm not a scientist. There's a there's a TV show that you're aware of about Skinwalker Ranch. You know the scientific studies that have gone over there. 
I'm not a scientist, but the science that we can present is focusing on it like an anthropologist. How is this affecting people's lives? What are the perspectives of locals, particularly of the Ute tribal members? Um, but it's a project that I'm super excited to get going. Awesome, awesome. So let's talk first about your uh, low-budget documentary, about the, the you know werewolves, dogmen, all that good kind of stuff. Now, you sent me a picture while you were doing that, and that picture had you in a cross-the-line 1524 T-shirt. So did that make it to the cutting room floor? That's my first question. Uh, I actually think that might be in there. All right. All right. So our next question is, where can we get a copy of the movie? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think... If if they would have found me torn to pieces in the forest by a werewolf, that would have been the one identifying feature. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> or it would have made you the prime suspect. Yeah, one or the other, yeah. That's more I was thinking, suspect. I'm thinking we need to send him something out at Skinwalker now, too. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about the documentary you did. Yeah, so the last year, two years, I've kind of had this rule to where if an opportunity comes up particularly anything that's a once in a lifetime opportunity whether i believe in it whether um i don't whether i think it's just nuts i just wanted to involve myself with that um and just experience stories i love experiencing folklore and so i get this call from a, a buddy who um, I've also appeared on this podcast. His name's Tony Merkel. He's a paranormal podcast called The Confessionals. And he had a man call in one day who had a story from Eastern Kentucky. And he said when he was 15 years old in the Daniel Boone National Forest, he was coon hunting with two dogs. And he, in the middle of the night, came upon this one upright canine like creature. And it scared him to death. It actually ended up attacking the dog. He thought the dog was a goner at that point. He runs back to the truck. And in short, that's the story. There was this man, two dogs, ends up seeing this upright canine. It's an interesting story in itself. But when you look more into it, I mean, for example, when we were there, you would mention things like this and expect to get strange looks. And it was more so people would look at us at us like outsiders and say, how did you know about this? The area that we were in, I can't say the exact town, but it was nearly a two-hour drive to get to any sort of population center. I mean, you were deeply embedded in the Daniel Boone National Forest. And the stories there simply do not make it out. But this eyewitness had called into this podcast and revealed that even as much as 100 years back, I mean, his own grandfather had attempted to track one of these things. There's a kind of a vigilante group that was made after prints were found, and they tried to track what they called Old Slewfoot. That was the nickname for the creature in the area, and... Anyone else, if you're familiar with the term dogman, yeah. exact same idea. Right. Uh, you hear about werewolves, the same concept. But uh, we met with this eyewitness, and we spent a week out there, and we developed these experiments. We knew that we would go out and 
one night with infrared cameras, with night vision cameras, and see what happens. That was not really like what I was most looking forward to. I just wanted to talk to people. I mean, it was so remote. You would go out there, and this is this is one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. But we went out there, and we started hearing about other things. And then all of a sudden, it was, oh man, we we are trying so hard to only keep it about this one werewolf <laughs> encounter. And then all of a sudden, someone will say, oh yeah, you know, this other town right over here, this is where this happened. And then every story you hear gets a little bit stranger. And you're being pulled in every single direction. But the culture and the folkloric recollection of a lot of the Appalachian mountain communities is beautiful. Um, There were Sasquatch stories in the area, plenty of Sasquatch stories. They would also talk about what they called haints, which are the kind of small, hairy people. And this eyewitness talked about one of his family members actually shooting one and killing it. And he had the body. He was taking it from cabin to cabin. This would have been about, I think, 12 to 15 years ago. But he was taking it cabin to cabin, asking who had the escaped primate pet because he thought he had killed someone's chimpanzee or something like that. Some and, kind of some kind of exotic creature, or exotic uh, animal. Yeah, we heard stuff like that. The area is also the exact place where the Kentucky meat shower happened. Yeah. If you're familiar with that story, yes. Um, but it was awesome spending a week in that. Just really getting to know the area is. I said last night I was talking to someone about it, and I said it's. One of the things I'll remember the most, it was one of the strangest experiences of my life, not even the werewolf part, just being in Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that. There's that. That's that's, just one state away from us. Yeah, so for for us, we're just a few miles driving. There's a lot of roots in our area that come out of that part of of Kentucky. So we, you know, we throughout the years have all probably heard bits and pieces of some of these stories anyway and yeah kind of know what you're talking about you get down there and it is it's backwoods you know and be careful you might be talking about one of our cousins that's right (laughs) 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 or a shared cousin you never know yeah that's right that's that's kind of cool though you go in and get in these stories because as as we progress i guess as a world and with technology you start to lose these um, verbal verbal history you know it, it goes away and yes it probably gets exaggerated over the years and you know a little bit of embellishment goes on but it's still you know it's still a cool part part of culture and and part of history um you know having verbal stories being told from generation to generation mm-hmm. that's a cool part about i mean being able to be a documentarian and being able to kind of preserve it for the future um, because these stories mean a lot to people, even if there's no truth to it. Every small town has its own, you know, boogeyman. Every small town has its own treasure legend, even though 99% of them may not be based on anything. It still means a lot to the communities. There's a lot of like underlying truths and underlying, uh, kind of messages that 
are, are very positive and can be brought out of those continuing stories. Right. You know, I, I was uh, with a friend horseback riding in Daniel Boone Forest probably around 2000, and we were on the trail and we passed a group, and that's what the group said to us, keep an eye out for the dog man. I'm like, what? And Mark looked at me and said, I'll explain later. Just keep driving. And uh, <laughs> they we, were just we were pretty deep. We were you. down in the valley crossing the river in, in the Daniel Boone Forest. And uh, now that comes back, I just recollect back to that. It's like, okay, I, I remember hearing about that back then. Wow. So where is that documentary on YouTube? Or where, where could we find that? Yeah, it is. That was um, a low-budget kind of test run for what we're doing now with with um, the Uinta Basin in Utah. Uh, this upcoming one is um, pretty well-funded. This first one was a test run. Let's go out to a simple location. Let's see if it's even feasible for us to work together and try to document um, some story. We don't really like the feel of TV a lot of the time to where it's uh, very kind of staged <laughs> staged produced, produced yeah, just maybe overwashed by networks right. yeah um, agendas the, being pushed let's let's do that but like I love independent filmmaking that's one thing I've found yeah. out I can take this story and I can push it wherever I want. I can let the story take me wherever I want to go. I don't have to wait for directives coming from above saying, let's focus on this. Right. Let's completely omit this because this doesn't you know, line up with these ideals. This may be too weird or it's not weird enough. Um, but I love having the freedom of being able to follow the story. And I wish there were more opportunities for people to do so. That's yep. awesome. Awesome. So you're going, you're, you have a bigger documentary you're, you're working on that's going to be funded now? Yeah. And this last one um, is on YouTube. That's what we premiered through. Uh, it's called Expedition Dogman. And it's, uh, I think it's about an hour and 10 minutes. I know what we're watching just, when we get done with this interview. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be on it's the big screen. And pretty, we'll put this up for our listeners, too. I'll put a link on the podcast page awesome. for it as well awesome it's pretty bare bones just some guys go out with some equipment we follow a uh, an eyewitness around for the week we go to the spot we did have i mean a few weird things happen it started off with a nightmare that i had this first night in the cabin and this is one thing that did not make the film but i ended up having this nightmare the first night of an upright deer of an upright buck and oh. it was uh the middle of the night and this buck was upright and skipping backwards and i woke up and i immediately looked in the window and it ends up relating to something that happens in the area i won't spoil anything but it ends up relating to something that happens after we filmed in kentucky and I was after that. I made the connection. I said, "Oh, that's such the the weirdest thing that happened." Uh, two of us, including myself, witnessed something that was completely unexplainable with the moving of trees. Uh, that we did not catch it on any sort of video. It was right at the moment where we put everything down. We were pretty much setting up for lunch on this long six-mile trail. And 
we end up what, in my opinion, is almost along the lines of what people describe as a bluff charge. And in my mind, I keep telling myself that wasn't a bluff charge. If it was a bluff charge, you would know. I just feel like there is no doubt in your mind if something truly did bluff charge us. I just don't know, but we did go into that very in-depth in the documentary. Um, it's very kind of airy as a film. Simple plot, just go out. What do we find? Let's report what we find. And this next one will go much deeper into background, into interviews. And I'm really excited to be a part of this new crew because we want to continue doing this, continue doing one or two of these a year and uh, have ultimate control with, with a way to tell stories independently. Awesome, awesome. i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I want you to talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing out towards Skinwalker Ranch. How's that sound? Sounds great. We'll be right back with Cross the Line 1524. Batesville Liquor Co. located in Batesville, Indiana, and Tebby Liquors in Brookville, Indiana. You know it's springtime. Before too long, it's going to be time for boat drinks. And they've got all the ingredients for any boat drink, party drink you might want. Do you have a special drink you want? A special cocktail? Can't find it? Give them a call. They might be able to get it in for you. Barrel Picks, they've got Barrel Picks. They have a couple new ones coming in. Of course, you just heard us talk about Old 55. We'll let you know when that's in. And they've got a couple other ones that will be in shortly. We'll make sure to let everybody know when those are in. If you're looking for beer, you're looking for wine, you're looking for cocktails, you're looking for bourbon, vodka, tequila, it doesn't matter what it is. Batesville Liquor Co. is a place to go. They're located at 315 Shopping Village in Batesville, Indiana, or check out Tebby Liquor, Main Street in Brookville, Indiana. Tell them the Cross the Line 1524 crew sent you, and make sure to check out that bourbon aisle they got. There's some good picks there. Make sure you friend and follow them on Facebook. They have tastings that they'll post on Facebook, and they'll let you know when new products are in. That's right, Batesville Liquor Co. in Batesville, Indiana. We all know there's nothing like that taste of fresh honey. It's pure as can be, all natural. Check out Hoosier Creek Farm right outside of Brookville, Indiana. You can find them on Facebook at Hoosier Creek Farm. Learn a little bit about beekeeping, what it takes to get that fresh honey. Remember, how do you know it's pure honey if you don't know the beekeeper? Hoosier Creek Farm. Proud to be one of our sponsors at Cross the Line 1524. Gilman's Home Centers. With 14 locations and growing. You know what? It's the party time of the year. That's right. You might need some party rentals and they've got them. They've got bouncy houses, tents, even slushy machines for those adult party-friendly drinks. You know what? Things are heating up which means you need to start thinking about watering options for your lawn and garden. They've got it. And you know what? It may be too hot for you. 
They've got plenty of air conditioning units and fans just for you. Gilman Home Centers, with 14 locations in Indiana and Ohio. Are you tired of hearing the same old songs over and over on the radio? Every single hour, the same tune? Well, it's time for something different. Check out Hometown Radio USA, the best independent music, hits from yesterday, hits from today, podcasts, and so much more. Hometown Radio USA, you can find it on the web at www.hometownradiousa.com or at the App Store or on Google Play. Hometown Radio USA, reimagining radio and coming to you in your hometown. All right, we're back here with Cross the Line 1524 and our special guest, Mr. Christian Roper. And he's getting ready in the morning to head out to Skinwalker Ranch or the area around Skinwalker. So tell us what's going on out there, Christian. (sighs) Well, a little bit of everything. I know you guys spoke with uh, a MUFON connection. uh, MUFON connection. We did, yes. Yes. There is perhaps most known for its kind of extraterrestrial slash UFO um, experiences out there that people have had. Uh, the focus of a History Channel TV show called The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, where there are current scientific studies trying to figure out. Ex- we know that there are anomalies out there that can be measured scientifically. There are gravitational anomalies. Uh, various signals that get picked up and the current scientific goals are wanting to figure out what's the source of these um the ranch really kind of ascended to prominence in the 90s when a rancher named terry sherman and his family took over and they lasted 18 months (laughs) essentially they had lost so many cattle to disappearances and mutilation had so many things happen that they simply could not stay at the ranch anymore they could not uh or they refused to sell it to a another private family and it was eventually bought by aerospace mogul um and billionaire robert bigelow who was obsessed with finding any sort of proof of the paranormal proof of the supernatural and really for the last 20 plus years the ranch has been focus of all these scientific studies and Really, if if you've heard any sort of weird story, you would be familiar about Skinwalker Ranch. But no one hears what happens to the neighbors. Right. You know, what happens on the other side of the fence line? Is there some, you know, I can't imagine there being some electric fence that stops all the activity from hopping over. Right. Right. Yeah, they're stirring up all this stuff on Skinwalker Ranch, and some of it has to bleed over into the surrounding areas because, I mean, it's... Like you said, there's no magic magic wall there keeping everything in that little square. And that's exactly what we've heard. A lot of people in the area will tell you uh, the Sherman Ranch has gotten all of the attention, but no one ever speaks to us. Throughout the last few decades, a lot of the neighbors have been silent, but that doesn't mean there have been a number of, of things happen. I, I know there have been multiple cattle mutilations seen on neighboring ranches um we will be on one with a very interesting story and not a lot of people know this but there are currently 
and in the future there will be quite a few more but there are currently several scientific efforts kind of making uh, the Uinta Basin just the area around Skinwalker Ranch their home so there has to be a lot of good communication you don't want to be the ones launching flares and lasers and causing every single other person to think <laughs> exactly exactly that's a good way to to get kicked out of the neighborhood i think but it's really becoming like the mecca for supernatural studies and with this documentary i think our mission is going to respect a lot of the science that has been done but say that you know what is 20 years of scientific study compared to a thousand years of living with the phenomenon Right. And so we will be talking and talking with the Ute tribe, diving really deep into folklore, talking with locals on what their explanations are. There are plenty of people that will tell you pretty much about anything. Any native tribe will tell you, hey, we have been telling the white man what this has been for thousands of years, for a thousand years or so. We have told you through our tradition, through what we've witnessed um, and you, like you're just now starting to catch up. You'll say outsiders are, are super late to catch up. And so our, our point with this is what's 20 years of scientific study compared to a thousand years of walking among the phenomenon. And we want to dive really deep into specifically the stories of uh, shape-shifting around the ranch. Yeah. It's yeah. called Skinwalker Ranch because the Skinwalker is the uh, Navajo and Ute entity that is supposedly some sort of evil entity that can change its shape, can represent itself in different ways. And a lot of people will say that is the kind of the, uh, the, the main thing behind the ranch. All of that can be traced back to these stories of skinwalkers. And believe it or not, that's a concept that goes thousands of years back to the Nahuatl people of Mexico and what was called Nahuales. Nahuales were whereas skinwalkers are often associated with shape-shifting uh, human and wolf combinations, the Nahuales were human and jaguar. Okay. And their explanation for even cattle mutilations were that to shape-shift there is some sort of uh, you know, physical part that is needed. They take which parts that are needed to shapeshift into this new animal. And it's a long line of folklore with these shapeshifters that really comes to a point at Skinwalker Ranch. And a lot of people will tell you that it's related to the UFO stories or that's completely unrelated. I'm really interested in hearing what you guys think about it, whether it's a kind of an old myth that got completely blown out of proportion or whether these are unrelated events that can somehow manifest themselves in the same place brings up the idea of portals of, of wormholes and things of that nature or if it's all connected and I think each person has an interesting perspective um, I'm not interested in making anyone believe anything or making them disbelieve anything I simply like following stories following what people have to say uh, studying how it impacts their lives right. and Hopefully, we come up with a really interesting project that 
um, is, is entertaining and can further uh, the current activities that are going on in the area. That's awesome. So if I recall right, is Blind Frog Ranch out it is in that there. same area? Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's about, I think, 40-ish miles to the northeast. Yeah, so there's a show on called Blind Frog Ranch. My problem with that show is half of it's staged, and it's it's obvious that it's staged. Uh, but there's some good stuff on that show as well. So mm-hmm. it's, um, I don't know. Are you familiar with that show at all, Christian? Uh, vaguely. I have not seen much of it, but I have a, a little knowledge of, of what happens. Yeah, so, I mean, there's some good factual stuff there. It, it's a Discovery Channel program, so like most Discovery Channel programs, they feel the need to um, showbiz it up a little bit. Yeah, and um, enhance it. It's more than just enhanced. I mean, it's it's like they have a couple Bigfoot hunts on there, and it's so far-fetched and staged that it's it doesn't make it interesting so what's that's like at the skinwalker a couple of us here are pretty big fans of it have been watching it and i've just been kind of glued to it this year it's they're doing some interesting stuff there and constantly trying to disprove things and you asked about the cattle mutilations and thoughts mine are there's something it has to be something to do with the uaps because they're I mean, they've got evidence of UAPs when animals are dying or when things are happening. So, it, to me, there has to be a link there. What that you, what that that entity is, you know, I don't know. But they're, you know, they're having those sightings at the same time things are happening. So, and it's, it's. I mean, there's radiation issues. There's right. all kind of things happening. It's, it's uh, a plethora of of question marks i guess and i'm excited that they're going at it scientifically and not trying to enhance it more and then they have someone there um and i can't think of his name the the physicist um and he i I can't think of his name but he's trying he's yeah he's constantly trying to disprove everything you know he's the He's the naysayer there and, you know, constantly saying, you know, it's got to be trying to just trying to trying to make sense of it, I guess. But also sometimes just trying to disprove things. But he's just standing there bewildered, you know, when things happen, doesn't know what to, what to think of it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting this year. He's recently come forward and said uh, he's had hitchhiker experiences in Alabama a long time ago. Um, I don't know exactly who coined the tor- term, but there's a NID scientist that talked about uh, what's called the hitchhiker effect. All of these scientists that were at the ranch in the early 2000s would go back home and they would have stuff like poltergeist activity in their own homes. They would see stuff in the sky and th- it was like a piece of the ranch came with them, even if they did not experience anything like that at the ranch. Really? And yeah. It's, it's, if always there was something that would follow them. Yeah, Dwayne, you're talking about Travis Taylor. So yes, you're Travis. Talking about yes. See, what I what I enjoy, I think, from the beginning, Skinwalker, when he went out there, he went out to disprove everything. Yeah. You know, he, he, he was going to disprove it all. Well, here we are, he's season be- four. And, this- and he's becoming more of a believer lately, but he just can't find an explanation. So, and and I, I like what, you know what, you're talking about doing talking more to the native people they've had a few native people on the show but it never goes past you know five minutes of interview right 
where mm-hmm. they're you know they are they're looking for the scientific reasoning things happening and not looking as much at the past history and uh, so it's going to be interesting what yeah, you're doing. I, yeah, I think I like what you're doing, Christian, is, is you know, the effects on the people that are living there now and have lived there in the past and again, telling, telling these stories for generations um, of something something going on there. And whatever they produce that to be in their culture, it, you know, it is, right, for them. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking real forward to seeing what you put together from that. Yeah, I, I can't wait to talk to some of these people. So how long do you plan to be out there? Um, I think we'll be out there maybe a week. Um, nice. nice. Which, I don't know, It's you never know. People have been out at the ranch for 20 years. <laughs> and yeah. I'll be back next week. I haven't come up with much, but <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I'll come on a lucky week. I'm just like, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to be in the area where something could happen. Right. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, these people could have been studying it for 20 years and had so much trouble getting evidence. And then I go out there, you know, no money in, in scientific investigation, no effort. And I'm like, what if we get the best evidence that's been presented out there like it's that's a very real possibility what if something happens and somehow this you know low budget crew these people that don't know what they're doing accidentally stumble into proving something and you never know you never know well and you're going out for a different story so you you may you may stumble upon it and you may get more information from the people because you're going out there to listen to them not to make them a sideshow to your show you're making them the show so you may they may open up more and you may find out more you know real info than anybody has ever ever known i i have to come i have to applaud you for i think the efforts of you going and trying to understand what it's like to live close by and so the i don't watch the show i've been meaning to try and listening to a couple of these guys talk about the show it's a little edgy for me but there is got to be some kind of impact for the people who live close by there. And if what you're seeing on TV is excitable to these two, I would really like to see the, what the neighbors have got to think about it and how it affects them because no one's talking to them. And I think it's, like, I think it's an awesome plan you have. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same as kind of the Curse of Oak Island. Right, to right. Where these investigators have found so much, yet they found nothing. I mean, right. it, whereas the Curse of Oak Island, it's a new piece of wood every week. <laughs> new wood? New old wood? It's this wood. One, it's, it's, we've got another light on, on one of our security cameras. Do we know what it is? No. So we don't know where it fits in. We've got all this wood. We've got all these lights. There's something, but we, we don't Just see don't the know, overall picture. Don't have the answer. Well, and, you know, when you sit down and actually talk to people, you I feel that when you talk to people about their experiences or what they've been taught or what they were raised with, there's a different emotional education you get from that because it's coming from what was either they've experienced or taught via a non-camera in a group production. And you're able to sit down and talk to the, a native about what is the, what is a real skinwalker? What is those, those things that you're seeing and those people that experience it? I think it's just a better approach to it in my opinion, but Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's just two different approaches. Yeah, two different. Yeah. Well, and you, yeah. and you got to think of these people that 
the people you're going to be talking to, Christian, they don't, you know, if say Skinwalker Ranch show buttons up tomorrow, packs up and all goes home, they still got to live there. Right. They still right. got to deal with this for, you know, they don't have, probably don't have the finances or the ability to just, oh, we're going to go to wherever now, pack up and move. So, you know, it, it's kind of nice just to get, give them a chance, you know, a chance to, to tell their story. Right. Totally. The, uh, reservation the Ute reservation nearby is i mean overflowing with stories um it really I, the entire area i don't think there's any spot that uh, skinwalker ranch gets all the attention but i don't think there's any spot you can go to and not have a chance of witnessing something anomalous um i don't have any explanation for it yet i don't know if i ever want an explanation i think i love just knowing that there's weird stuff going on here yeah. tell me everything weird i i don't think there's anything that will throw out um like we had reached out to someone high up in mufon uh the utah branch of mufon who actually had their own experience at the ranch with their wife but it was not a ufo experience it was a poltergeist experience they had seen I think it was like a body manifestation and they talked about the amount of stories that came from that area that were reported to MUFON that they could not take because MUFON's got a parameters that they like to fit things into and there are certain things that they simply will not take whether I, I don't think that's in bad faith in any any way I just think that for it to be considered for their database it needs to be like cut and dry your standard clear yeah. sighting of something in right. the sky at night. Um, well, otherwise, they they would be going chasing, chasing everything every direction, and not have time to stay focused. Yeah, so it's it's probably yeah. good for them to stay that focused. It may make some people mad, but you know, I think they they have to do that. For sure. And I heard you say poltergeist. Ruben has a week off. If you need an extra cameraman to to hold something. <laughs> Yeah, Halloween, Halloween. Or weekend. if you'd like yeah. to see the backside of Ruben run. Yeah, we've got an upcoming event coming up here. Listen, in, that's uh, no Halloween. secret that I, 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 I second guess and, and stay concerned about things that could possess me. Or, uh, they don't I, want to possess. I literally you, really. don't want to go out to Utah and start digging up we stuff are. that's going to follow me. Home. I'm with Dwayne. I'm with Dwayne. Uh, I, I don't think any of them really want any part of it. <laughs> So, you know, Christian, you mentioned that, that there's been scientists and stuff that actually have had experience. Is that a concern for you, honestly? Um, no, not not really. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You've been everywhere not, that if you not were going yet. to be possessed, <laughs> right. you'd already be possessed. Well, I mean, you hear those stories and they come back. I mean, you think about, well, it's, you know, something manifesting from somebody 2,000 miles away after the event. I mean. Yeah, I think, I don't know. Sometimes I don't exactly think about the after i am so focused on capturing a good story I, I i don't think of things as positive or negative i mean i could if i think about getting sucked up into a ufo never seen again I'm cool ride like, i'm like that would be such a good story <laughs> so that, that that reminds me you you remind me a lot i was listening to a podcast recently and i don't remember who it was was talking about they were talking about 
how successful he was and he was talking about he just really never says no he just sees everything as an as an experience and i want to experience you know that sounds like an interesting experience and that sounds like christian roper is like yeah that sounds like an interesting experience right there you go there you go so christian christian and i've messaged back and forth for i don't know the last six months or so and I believe you told me you had a UAP experience. Is that correct? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It took going out of the country to have one. Can you, but, uh, will, will you share it with us? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we hope so. That's why That's I asked the question. That's why he's going to say, well, I really don't want to talk about it right now. I just hope I can hear about it. I will. In fact, they're coming um, back tonight. <laughs> so this was the last thing on my mind. But... I had gone to um, kind of a, a pretty remote part of Western Guatemala, and I was spending a week documenting stories of the indigenous Maya people that live along the banks of a place called Lake Atitlan. And my second day there, I go, I go to a village by the name of uh, which village was that? I believe it was San Pedro which was the kind of more modern village but a lot of the people there you will find do not even speak Spanish they still speak only the traditional Mayan um, languages there are a few different dialects of Mayan that are spoken there particularly I encountered one called Sutujil and it's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Very cool sounding. Um, but one of the people that I came across there that actually did speak Spanish was a horse trainer in this village of San Pedro, and his name was Regino. And I came upon this habit of asking people. I said, Have you ever seen anything paranormal? And he goes, See, 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 luces blancas, sobre el lago, like white lights above the lake. And I go, oh, really? Thinking about back home, all these stories of, you know, the congressional hearing is heating up. Yeah. The uh, the Tic Tac sighting, stuff going into and out of the water. I go, is there something with Lake Atilan and UAP sightings? What are we talking about here? So I start probing them for a little bit more answers. And he talked about seeing moving white and blue lights above the lake. Sometimes they would be stationary. Sometimes they would move. And they would assemble themselves in geometric patterns over the lake. And they would be witnessed. And I started asking other people about them. And there was this kind of direction that you're being led. And it is along this ancient aliens route that at some point there was something that contacted the Maya, specifically the Maya capital of Tikal, which were the ruins that I was staying really right next to. And there were these beliefs that you would find there that these whites, that these white lights that would appear over the lake were these ancient shape-shifting sky kings returning to look for the capital of Tikal. 
and they would be seen going into and out of the water, into and out of the volcanoes. There were three volcanic um, kind of mountains, three volcanoes surrounding Lake Atilan. And I did not expect to see this at all. I was just, oh, this is so interesting. Let me write down the story. And I go back to the eastern edge of the lake where I was staying. And I took a shower. As I'm walking from the shower, it's an outdoor shower, and I go to my room. As I'm walking to my room, and I've got it on film, I see two, I see six white lights in two... Um, Two, making two triangles over the village that I was staying in. And I go, are you kidding me? Like, am I am I seeing these lights right now? As, I mean, like, you, you think about what you're going to do when you see a UFO your entire life. You watch every documentary, every TV show, and you're like, oh, man, I can't wait for the day where I see one. I'm going to have a camera ready. I'm going to know exactly what to say. I'm going to immediately record the greatest footage. And send it in everywhere i'm going to make the news i'll sign my book deal i'll go on this podcast every week dissecting the footage and then you're in the moment and it's right there in front of you and i didn't see a craft i didn't hear any noise there was no movement it was three white lights making that triangle in the distance three white lights above me and then one of those three lights just uh, immediately switched off and then there were just two and I've got it on video love to send you guys the video oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. yep awesome. I've submitted it to a few different places it's not the greatest quality filmed it on a phone at night there were absolutely no lights in this village um, man it was weirdest thing they just stayed there and then after about 20 minutes they would slowly fade out and I went back inside and I started Googling. And I'm like, what's the connection with Lake Atilan and UFOs? And I find out more about the sightings in and around Atilan and the um, capital ruins of Tikal, these be beautiful Mayan pyramids. And I've recently gotten into the work of a guy named David Childress, who is one of the more commonly recurring characters on uh, the Ancient Alien series. The mm -hmm. guy with the, the white goatee who's always talking about the Inca and the the uh, the Maya people, all of the South American connections to pyramids, connections to ancient Egypt. And it's just been something that's been stuck in my mind is, oh, wow, like the, the lens that they saw it through was not, these are some futuristic things. It's these were our, you know, gods from the past. And they are coming back looking for something. And then I'm like, well, what if that same principle is also going on at Skinwalker Ranch? Like, what if there is some sort of intelligence there, but that it's returning for something that happened in the past? That, that there was some sort of draw that we are completely unaware of that keeps these things coming back. Or they left and, something there that to pick up. Or, or they left something. And I found out that um, 1989 was actually an interesting year for Guatemalan UFO sightings. They're actually called OVNIs in Spanish and French-speaking uh, countries, O-V-N-I. So if you ever 
talk about UFOs with someone who's just a Spanish speaker, they'll probably not know what you talk about. But if you ask them about an OVNI, they'll immediately know what you're meaning. And I uh, found out that the LA Times actually published an article about how many sightings were happening over Guatemala in 1989. And so I don't know what it was about 89 or Guatemala specifically, but it was another recurring theme is that so many of these Guatemalans believed that there was something to do with the existing Maya people and these things were coming back. And uh, I'll share that article with you as well. I just thought yeah, it was kind do. of interesting. Yeah. But I, I heard all kinds of stuff. I the reason, the reason I actually went down there was to document stories. I'm working on a book, and I wanted to document stories of this lost Maya city that was supposedly um, supposedly fell into Lake Atilan or was flooded. And it's essentially the Guatemalan Atlantis, this kind of super community that was flooded, washed underwater, um, and there are so many legends that stem from that ancient city that was right there and is now supposedly under the lake. Now, the lake is about, I think, 1,100 feet deep. So Holy deep wow. In, in Central America. That's a lot of water. Um, beautiful lake. It is so pretty. Uh, it's the deepest lake in Central America. And surrounded by volcanoes, surrounded by these traditional villages, you will still find... Maya women washing clothes, sewing along the banks of the river. I mean, the way of life has changed very minimally um, over who knows how long. It's still very reliant on the land and, and are very good stewards of keeping it beautiful and, and pristine, even though uh, it is difficult to do so. It's a, it's a very... It's not, a, it's not a dangerous lake. It's known for rising and falling. And, and an interesting thing about this was that they've got a legend of a lake monster named Chacona, who is supposedly the mastermind behind when the lake should rise and when the lake should lower. But anyway, there's a story of this ancient Maya city that was full of gold, and it was actually one of the locations that the uh, Spaniards hypothesized to be El Dorado, if, if El Dorado actually existed as a real place, um, was that it came from this one community that sank into Lake Atilán. And I wanted to document stories of could there actually have been a city that sank here? Who were the people? Um, is, just, is this just another mine community? It, did this exist at all? And I go to the village of Santiago on the uh, western end of the lake. It was in the bay. And I am told that I missed a discovery of pottery at 100 feet in the lake by 10 days. Oh. <laughs> wow. And wow. That, that was the coolest thing to me. And there's ongoing study now into um, a city that has now been named Samabach after one of the divers who discovered the pottery. And there are uh, current you know, dies being planned over many years of uh, trying to piece together this community that actually did sink into the lake. They've discovered this, this huge community that fell into the lake. 
And that was one of the things that I was, I was there focusing on. That's awesome. Awesome. So what do you have in, you know, after the Skinwalker area, what, what else do you have on your radar to do this year? Uh, there are a few other projects I've looked into doing. Um, I've been kind of on the UFO, UAP thing with, with everyone talking about disclosure. Um, it's a really interesting time because you've got very serious people. You've got politicians talking about it. It's now in almost the entire public's lexicon. And you've got more movies coming out. For example, next month, Jordan Peele's Nope is coming out. And I'm really looking forward to that. And it's um, uh, it's, it's obviously a, a fictional horror movie. But when people start to Google UFOs and stuff after watching the movie, the first things that they'll see pop up in these internet searches are not, uh, you know, horror stories or these chat room articles um fictional magazines anything like that it will be that there are very serious task force uh being assembled to look into these things you'll see that nasa is now looking into ufos and it's a very interesting time at at raising public awareness and uh, disclosure is a wave that that you really want to ride and it's a, a really interesting time to be able to be at the forefront of it. Um, I think it's awesome to have all this documented, whether it's documentary podcast, but to be able to in two decades, see what we know then and say, man, you know, we were really at the front of that or, th- or this is what we thought. And we were completely wrong. about. It. Right. Right. And that's one of the coolest things to me. Like if, if I have a family in the future, if I have kids, and something is proven about Skinwalker Ranch, or something is proven about UFOs, like the yeah, the old man was involved being in able that. To say, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, like uh, here's we what were I, there. This is what we were completely wrong about. Yeah, this is what we got right. This is what we what we knew twenty or thirty years before you did. So here's what I figured out, Christian. If you don't slow down, a woman's never going to be able to catch up to you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, so. Um, there's a podcast out there called The Question at Hand. <laughs> so these guys, I don't believe, have heard of it before. I stumbled upon it today. And so imagine all of us 30 years ago doing a podcast together. Yeah. And that's, that's what it is. So Christian is part of this podcast. Talk about that a little bit, Christian. Um, well, it really came out of one sentence that I said in... Uh, 2018 to my friend that's the way it happens that's how it works were you at a bar (laughs) oh no man we were on a couch but but were you drinking no no oh shoot that may have uh they're well-behaved students (laughs) not us yeah that may have made us think a little bit better actually (laughs) but i said you know why don't we make a podcast we're just sitting around let's make a podcast thinking we it was going to be five or six episodes and be like okay well we know what that's like now we know the technical side of it we know if we ever needed to do one we know what to do and then four years later you know we've we've made a podcast it's just 
kind of grown a little bit. It's it's just some people that I uh, went to high school with. It's it's exactly what what you guys are doing, but we never left really. Um, yeah, I mean, it was amazing. I, I, That's great. I, I listened to it. I'm like, man, this is us 25 years ago. Right. It's a bunch of young guys. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So it's cool. There's like, there's such a good feeling of like when you do it with friends, you don't treat it like a job. Exactly. And you don't really appreciate the kind of simple, uh, just, just like the positive feelings you get from meeting once a week with your friends and being able to just, I, like, I know you guys would be meeting up every week and talking about stuff either way. So you right. may as well record it for the future. Yeah, exactly. But, but having all of our, I, I don't know, we just talk about random stuff, whatever we feel like we'll review movies and it's just really interesting and fun to, for me, be outside of a, a serious feeling of creating things. Just get together with yeah. friends. That's awesome. I right. think, like, um, for every project you make that's serious, you should do one that is just just fun. Do right. it with friends. Yeah. There so they're and they they are very much like us. They'll, they'll pick a topic or something and talk yes. about it. So the top, the last their latest podcast is holidays around the world. Okay. Not particularly national type of holidays. Okay. So it was pretty – I enjoyed uh, listening to you trying to, uh, Christian, uh, speak in German and all, all different kind of languages there. That was quite the – I'll get – I'm going to forward this to these guys so yeah, they can hear I don't, it. I don't know what I said. I don't listen back to the podcast. Well, we pr- I, <laughs> I don't want to hear what I said. <laughs> It was funny because you you emailed me today about, hey, uh, Eastern or Texas time, and I was just listening to you talking on that. I almost had to pull over. I was laughing so hard. So, uh, yeah, it, you guys, it's it's very much similar. To, I mean, it really is similar to what we do only, you know, 25, 30 years ago. So. It all started with just one word and one drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like so do you guys about. do it all in person or, or do you – are you um, – you know, remote he's, when he's you do traveling it. Traveling all or, over the place. Or, or, or you just do it when you're in town, or. Uh, yeah, we do it all in person at awesome. a nice at a nice studio that is actually um, one of Ryan's mom's guest bedrooms. <laughs> yeah. Top of the line. He's. They're not old enough yet to have their own little spot. <laughs> Easy, yeah. So we ought to get you. We ought to do something jointly sometime. That Absolutely. would be cool. Get yeah. all those guys on. Sure. So. So what else do you want to tell us before we let you go? Because it's a Friday evening. You're a young man. you got to pack your bags for Skinwalker Ranch. Wow. A so, lady might catch him yet tonight. He's got a couple that's hours. That's right. you got a couple. Well, yeah, because he's a couple hours behind yeah, us there. Yeah, it's, it's so. early. I know one, one thing I want to ask is the last time we talked, we were talking about the uh, search for silver in a lake in the East Texas. Lafitte's, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Lafitte's sure. treasure. So what's, uh, what's the latest with that, if you can share? Uh. That has been fully filmed. I think at the time you talked to me about that, it was like a feature documentary. I have since, the story is so deep, I have since made the decision to split it up into four episodes. And uh, that will be finished up as soon as I get back from Utah. That's that's okay. what I'm focused on next, getting that out. Um, just finished the kind of final scene of it in Guatemala as well. 
Um, one interesting thing I did was in the village of Santiago that I mentioned, there is this old wooden carving, which is supposedly kind of the incarnation of a Mayan god, of a Mayan god by the name of Mashingmon. And the locals will tell you that if you offer uh, cigarettes and cash to this entity <laughs> that is inside of someone's house filled with smoke, there are people in here worshipping. It's actually a, a religion. If you go with cigarettes and cash, it will, uh, Mashimon will give you guidance and lead you to whichever treasure you seek. Uh -huh. Oh, wow. And so I thought that was a fun thing to do. I also recorded myself doing it and sent it to Maddie Blake and uh, Rick Lagina. And I said, hey, I, I have given some extra cigarettes and cash <laughs> <laughs> and told them about you. There's now a um, Maya God on your side. So if you don't find anything, it sounds like human error to me. Because <laughs> you took care of your part. I don't know part. what else I can do. <laughs> so did you get a response? Uh, yeah, no, they loved it. They thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maddie's good. We had Maddie on again this year. He's he's just a fun fun guy, fun guy yeah, for a sure. A few bucks on a pack of smoke and make your day. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome. wonderful. But I I did that. Um, that is very close to being done. It's been like my baby. So like we're I still planning. We're planning to hop on a plane and come down there and watch the screening with you. That's right. That's right. So let us know perfect. when that's happening. Four hillbillies in a hotel room in Texas watching your screening. So. <laughs> yep. The screening in Ryan's mom's guest bedroom. Hey, <laughs> that's fine with us. We don't care. <laughs> it's all right. You might want to talk to Ryan's mom about yeah. that first. <laughs> She'll you'll see a knock on the door and four old guys walking. <laughs> yeah. We're here for the movie. <laughs> uh, they'll be calling the police. <laughs> Sounds good, good. Good deal, Christian. Well, we'd like to thank you, uh, you know, for taking time out, talk to us. Uh, we're looking forward to send those links to us for those couple things, yeah. and we'll share those on our uh, both on the podcast and on our web pages and Facebook pages as well. Get the word out there. So, yeah, and keep sharing your stuff on Facebook. I'm jealous of living, you know, living vicariously through you and all your travels. Mm. <laughs> Sounds good. So for Cross the Line, 1524, I'm Alan Stanger with... Dwayne Bischoff. Jeff Montag. Ruben Hutt. Mike Gardner. And our special guest... Christian Roper. And we'll see y'all next time. Looking for a Heisen side-by-side -side or ATV? How about a youth model Tau Tau quad or dirt bike? Stop by Hoosier Power Sports at 7892 Schumann Road in St. Leon, Indiana, or visit our website at HoosierPowerSports.com for the latest inventory. We are the Tri-State's largest Heisen and Tau Tau sales and service center with a large selection in stock all the time. Don't shop the other guys who just want you to leave a deposit and maybe you'll get a side-by-side -side sometime this year. We've got plenty in stock all the time. Hoosier Power Sports at 7892 Schumann Road in St. Leon, Indiana, or visit our website at HoosierPowerSports.com. What a great time we had with Christian Roper, and wow. I mean, that's all you can say. Man that age, getting to travel the world, quite honestly, uh, investigating and filming, and uh, just a, a great young gentleman. He forwarded to us uh, the link to his uh, new movie about the Dogman in Kentucky. We're going to post that on our Facebook page, and uh, as well as uh, the video he sent of his UAP experience. So be on the lookout for that.
As always, we need your help to make the podcast grow. Leave us a positive comment and five-star rating on whatever podcast app or player that you're using, and then spread the word, whether you spread it on Facebook, share our posting on Facebook when episodes come out, or just tell a friend. That's the only way podcasts can grow. For Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt, myself, Alan Stanger, you've been listening to Cross the Line 